This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Right now, my guest today is Sharon Millman, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. Sharon has had four near-death experiences. Sharon's first NDE occurred at the age of 13 when she drowned while taking swimming lessons. Sharon was struck by lightning four times over the course of several years. The fourth lightning strike resulted in her second NDE. Her third NDE occurred while she was undergoing emergency surgery. And Sharon experienced her fourth NDE due to an adverse reaction to Caesar medication where she died. Sharon is the author of three books, A Song in the Wind, A Needeth Experience, The Whispers in the Wind, A Poetic Journey of the Soul, and A Rose from Heaven. This is her story and this is her passion. Sharon. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's great. Finally, we've got together, my gosh, four Needeth Experiences. Wow. I mean, I guess what, what you signed up for, we were just saying that to go into detail about four of them, we might be here for days. But so I'd love you to talk about um, the, whatever you want to talk about, you know, the most pivotal experiences you had. And as I said before, my gosh, being struck by lightning four times, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, so I'm going to leave it to you to speak to the audience and talk about your experiences and and what you learned and what you'd like to share and then i'll ask you some questions afterwards if that's if that's okay with you oh that's fine okay (laughs) (laughs) wherever you want to start sharon well um the lightning strikes what happened was it was every other year um i was hit twice was ball lightning and twice was lightning balls And then the fourth lightning strike is when I actually died. It it came out of the sky and hit my right arm. And when it did, I felt this burning, searing, um, it was just an agonizing pain and it hit my arm and it went across my chest. And then I was out on my body. It was just like peeling a banana and I just came right up out of my body. But I didn't know that I was dead. I knew something had happened. And because after it hit me, I was sitting on the concrete steps, talking on a cordless phone. Mm-hmm. And it had started to rain. And then I heard this thunder in the distance. And then the lightning bolt came out of the sky. I saw the thing and it that's when it hit my arm, but it traveled through my body and underneath the house. And so we had a transformer in front of our house and it blew that. I mean, it just, <laughs> we had no power. The whole neighborhood had no power. Um, but there were black char marks left on the concrete steps where I was sitting. And then the bottom, the next step where my feet were. Wow. And sorry please go on it it was just it was just a moment of agony and then i was out of my body so and and can i ask what you experienced during that 
out-of-body experience, the near-death experience? Well, I I don't know if I floated or I walked, <laughs> but I was I went up the stairs and I was in my house and I'm standing in my kitchen and everything in my kitchen has this burnt gold look to it. And I, um, I was standing at the back door and I looked at the sink across the room that had the, I had lace curtains and um, flowers and things on the, on the lace curtains, but they were not my curtains. And I thought that was kind of odd. And then I walked into my dining room and I noticed that none of the furniture that was in my dining room was my stuff. And <clears throat> excuse me, then I went from the dining room into the living room and that stuff wasn't mine. And I, I started, I was really confused. And I heard this old time radio show playing. It sounded like something from back in the Waltons and I couldn't find the radio anywhere. And I thought, what, what is that noise? I mean, I didn't have any radios in my house, but this was a really old time radio show. And I kept walking through the house, trying to figure out where my furniture was, where my family was, where this noise was. And this, it seemed like it lasted forever, but I'm sure it only lasted a minute or two. And I, because there was just no time, there was just, you know, it was not like what we experience here. And I, I started to freak out. <laughs> I, started, I really got upset and I was just like, oh, I, I can't do this. I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. And as soon as I started to panic, there was this huge formless loving presence that appeared. And although I couldn't, it was, it was formless. I just knew that if this, whatever this presence was, and I, I interpreted that presence as God. So it was a big formless loving presence that was so huge, bigger than my house. And it was like, he just kind of, picked me up and just was holding me and I felt this love you know this love that was like uh, there was peace I wasn't scared anymore I wasn't hurting I nothing it was just I felt so much love and we started moving and we didn't go up and we didn't go down we went sideways and we went very rapidly through these pink and gold clouds and they were the most beautiful clouds I'd ever seen. Um, I've never, I've never seen clouds that beautiful, just beautiful pink, and then outlined in this look like liquid gold. It, they were absolutely breathtaking. So we got through those clouds and we entered into this garden, and we were just at the very entrance of this garden, and I could see the, you know, the flowers on the out you know around it was i don't know if we were walking through a doorway into the garden or what but it was like i could see all these flowers so when you look at my book you'll see flowers that's what i very the very first image that i saw were these beautiful pink and purple flowers all the way around and then <clears throat> we started moving further into the garden 
And when we got into the garden, um, the two men um, stepped out to greet me. And at first I thought they were angels um, because they were glowing from the inside out. They um, had, and they were wearing this beautiful, uh, very expensive linen uh, with a herringbone weave. And the weave was just, it. it's like they took a picture of the weave and stuck it right here in my face so I could see the weave pattern. Now, I don't know exactly what that meant at the time. I think I have an, an idea now what it meant, but but back then I didn't know what they were trying to show me. Um, and they smiled at me. And as soon as they smiled at me, I knew exactly who they were. They weren't angels, they were my two brothers who had died when I was, you know, they were babies. I was a year old when one died and two years old when the other one died and it was like oh my gosh i know who you are you know i was so excited and we had this wonderful family reunion and and well they they were between late 20s early 30s and they had um long curly hair darker blonde than mine but with this color running through it and I kept telling him, I was like, oh my God, dad would be so proud of you. If he could see you, you're so beautiful. The colors were so rich and vibrant. There were flowers and there was stream and trees and I heard birds and there were landscapes and rolling hills and valleys and just, um, I, I saw buildings and I saw, um, where babies and children go when they when they die and that they're loved and cared for by, you know, mentors and teachers and angels and people that are trying to take care of them and they grow. I mean, um, I saw lots and lots of people and they all had bodies, but nobody was over the age of late 20s, early 30s. And so when they told me that I had died, I looked down the front of me like this to see if I had a body. And I did. I, I looked just like me, um, only a you know, better version of me. <laughs> and, um, but I glowed too, just like everybody else was glowing, just like from the inside out. They kind of all looked like they spent the whole day in the sun. You know, they were just beautiful. Um, so I looked down the front of me, I saw my hair, I saw my clothes that I ha had been wearing when I got hit. I was barefoot so I could see my feet. I could feel the grass. I could smell. My senses were so heightened and so aware that I could see without even turning my head. I could see what was behind me, what was in front of me very far distances with great detail. Um, and I thought, well, I can do this. You know, it's so wonderful here. I, I can do this. I'll stay right here. <laughs> and okay, so I'm having my life review and all these people are gathered around. And um, so I'm watching it. It's a black and white movie on an old fashioned movie reel. And it's from the my whole life you know from the time i was born until that moment where i had died and it went so fast and but 
I came to realize that God didn't judge me and none of those people judged me and I didn't judge me. And so that was it, it was over. And I just, all I did was feel love through it. Um, and then after that, I heard a male voice say, what you put out into the universe will come back to you. And I had never heard words like that before, so I wasn't sure exactly what that meant. And then um, it was like being hooked up to a giant IV bottle of knowledge. Um, I was being infused with all this divine wisdom. You know, it was like, bam, 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 all these questions. I didn't even ask the question. I didn't know how to ask the question. But I was getting all these answers, you know, who God is, what God is, how the universe was put together, you know, things like that. And it was just like, I was <laughs> walking around going, oh my God, you are so awesome. This is so cool. And we human beings make you so complicated and you're not complicated at all. This is so cool. And I just kept saying that over and over. And um it was like he was showing me this this big chalkboard it's like six chalkboard 10 chalkboards long and there's someone writing on with chalk um a, an equation to explain gravity or physics or whatever and i i don't know anything about that kind of stuff but i saw this man writing all this you know those equations and god was like but that's not really how it is. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so cool. And it was good because I, I don't understand all that. But he, the bottom line is that he was just so simple and I didn't get judged. I was only loved through it all. Um, so then when he had said those words to me, it, I saw this, it was like, you know, if you put out love and compassion and understanding and respect, that stuff's going to come back to you. But if you put out lying and cheating and stealing and, and um, you know, evil things, that stuff's going to come back to you. But he showed it to me in, in, in a way that like a boomerang and you know how you throw a boomerang and it spins gets faster and faster and then it comes back and they get you but you don't know exactly where it's going to come you know you have to really watch for it well that's kind of what he was trying to say to me that that all of these things that we put out they go out into the universe they gain uh spin and gain momentum and get bigger and bigger and bigger and when they do when they come back it's a whole lot bigger coming back to you than what you put out. And so I've called it the boomerang effect. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, God, I really don't want to get hit with a boomerang. So that was a big change for me. I, you know, when I came back, it was like, I'm watching what I say. I try to be kind to everyone and listen and, and, do acts of love because that's what I want to see. That's what I want to come back and not not anger and resentment and jealousy and all those things. Um, so then after that, we were 
my brothers and this big loving presence was walking with me through the garden and I was looking at all of the you know the the landscapes and the buildings and and I could see there was a library and and like I said there was there was a place for babies and children to go mm -hmm. there were there was a healing building that had these beautiful healing pools um with water it was like living water live water the water was alive and um I, that was for people who died traumatic deaths or suicides and it's kind of like a spiritual hospital where they go and they're gently brought to the awareness of what's happened and where they are and i saw a library and it was so beautiful it was um made of this rich mahogany wood and there it was the biggest library i ever saw in my life i mean it, it had a, a thousands and thousands and thousands of books on every subject you could possibly imagine and i called it the hall of knowledge but i'm not sure if that's what it's really called but i mean the books were from ceiling to floor mm. and it it was the most beautiful um the wood was this rich mahogany wood there's a grove of trees off to the right of me as I'm facing the, the city. And I don't know, people have asked me before, what were the trees? And I don't know what kind of trees they were, but um, Jesus walks out of the, the grove of trees and he's walking over to me. And at that point, everybody else goes away. And it's just me and him. And this was my first clue that I was coming back, but it was like over my head. <laughs> everything was over my head at this point right. um so he said i love you and don't be don't be afraid you know yeah i'm with you it's okay and he walked with me over to uh it looked like a wooded glen and i could see um light streaming through the tops of the trees and there were pine cones and pine needles on the ground and little blue flowers popping up and there was a stream and the stream just sparkled like diamonds and there were rocks that this, the water was going over the rocks and there was a a log and i sat down on the end of the log and there was a man sitting on the other end of the log. And I knew that that man was God. Um, Jesus walked away. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking to this man and he's he's got a stick and he's kind of doodling in the, <laughs> the pine needles and the dirt, you know? And we, we just kind of chit chatted for a minute. And then he said, what would you do if it was just me and you? And I was like, what? I, I don't understand. And he said, what would you do if it was just me and you? And I still didn't understand the question. So he said, okay, well, come with me. So we walked further into the, into the wooded area and there was a clearing and he just kind of waves his hand and I could see like the sky opened up it was like he unzipped the sky and i could see the 
the vastness of the universe, you know, the spinning planets and sparkling stars and rainbow colored gases, but there was no people. There were no houses, no cars, no trees, no animals, nothing. It was just all of that. And I, I, I looked at him and I said, I don't think so. But this is huge. And with all of this and just me and you, you would not like me after the first 10 minutes because I would talk your ear off and you wouldn't like me anymore. <laughs> and when, he, when I said that, he kind of threw his head back and he had the bluest, uh, sparkly blue eyes. His eyes were just magnificent. And when he laughed, his laugh was so contagious that I started laughing and I thought, that was the dumbest thing to say <laughs> to God. No, I mean, who does that? So, it, I don't know. I was kind of embarrassed at my, at my response and he just laughed and then we went back and sat down with the log and he said it again. What would you do if it was just me and you? No parents, no husband, no children, no friends, nobody, just me and you. Well, I still didn't quite know how to answer that question. So I'm looking at this oak tree, this you know oak tree that must have been a thousand years old it was huge and i could see the detail of the bark and i could see the nutrients pulling coming through the roots from the ground and i saw the nutrients going up and they were in the leaves and i could see the the little little things moving in the veins of the leaves and what i saw was the ground the tree pulls the nutrients out of the ground the leaves clean the air, we breathe the air, so everything is connected and all works together. And so as I'm noticing this, all of this detail, and I don't, I don't know why I said this because I've never read the Quran in my life, never seen it. I don't know anything about that tradition at all, but I said, God, your hundredth name in the Quran is God is everywhere. God is nowhere and God is in me. And he said, yeah, that's right. Well, come to find out that there's really only 99 names written in the Quran, but the hundredth name is, is an, it's too holy. It's not, you don't say it, but here I said it. And God was like, that's right. And then I said, God, you made this tree. You were in this tree. So when I see this tree, I see you. He said, yeah, that's right. And, and then I started, I, I don't know if he was putting these thoughts in my head or if I was just thinking these things, but I started thinking about my parents and I said, God, you made my parents you were in my parents so when i see my parents i see you he said yes that's right i said the same thing about my children and then i started thinking about someone who had been very cruel to me and it hurt me very deeply and i said god you made these people that are cruel to other people but you made these people you are in these people so when i see these people i see you and he said, yeah, that's right. He said, now I have a question for you. 
I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he said, um, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And my normal answer, you know, kind of put my hands down on my lap and I was just like, how am I going to get through this? Because my normal answer would have been not much, just me, because I'd been told my whole adult life, you're ugly, you're fat, you're stupid, you can't do anything. And so I was buying into that. And that was a worldview of me. But what he was trying to get me to do is to see myself the way he did. And so I, I said, God, when I look in the mirror, you made me, you are in me. So when I look in the mirror, I see you. And he was so happy with that answer. He was just like, yeah, that's right. That's the right answer. You know, and I felt like a little girl who just got an A on a test. You know, I was like, all right, I got it right. But then it was more like, you know, that infused knowledge again. And I could hear him saying, I don't make mistakes. I don't make junk. You are not a mistake. I made you for a specific purpose and I don't see you the way the world sees you. I don't see you. You are not what the world has made you to be. And I love you. And, you know, you have a specific reason to be here or you wouldn't be here. And so that was, to me, that was huge. That was just spinning in my head. And I was trying to wrap my head around those kind of words because I wasn't used to hearing that. Well, then after that, um, there were these two, they were angels, but they just looked like women in pretty robes, you know, gowns, ornate gowns. And they took me to this lake. And this lake was like, um, looking it, it was so clear it was like looking through glass and I kind of looked down like this and I could see the earth below and what I saw were future world events things that are happening in the world right now and what they were trying to get me to understand is that these things do not have to happen it's our human um collective selfishness that makes that that's going to make these things happen and if we change how we do things these things will not happen but we're not changing and so these things are now taking place and the next thing i know i'm back in my body and i'm feeling that agonizing horrific pain now, if there was a conversation about whether I was to come back or not, it was probably not a good one. And I don't remember it because I was probably kicking and screaming all the way. Right. So I don't remember that part of it, but I do remember um, I was laying next to the stairs and I could see the char marks and the doctor. I had to go to the hospital and they did neurologists, uh, neurological exams and they did uh, heart tests. And I have, like I said, I have a right bundle branch block and seizures from the right now. Wow. What, what an incredible experience. Can I ask you just a few questions about that? And we'll go on to the next one that was 
was a continuation. I have to ask you about the the weave in the, your brother's clothing. What what what, what did that symbolize to you? Um, it was it was a few years ago that my husband he loves to bake, so he was in the kitchen and he was baking bread. And when he had the TV on, there was a history show about the Shroud of Turin, and when I walked in the room, they did exactly the same thing. They had the picture, like, you know, the, the shroud, and then they had this little snapshot they put right up on the screen, and it was a herringbone weave. It was the exact same cloth that they were wearing, and they showed me this herringbone weave, and I saw that as I walked in the room, that same exact little shot. And I dropped to the floor and I started sobbing. And my husband was like, what happened? What is wrong? What's wrong? And I told him, I said, that's what my brothers were showing me. I said, it's exactly the same thing that they were showing me, you know? So I've spoken to a, uh, an archbishop friend of mine who lives in the UK and he studies the shroud and um, he believes that that's that's what I was seeing. They were showing me that the shroud is the burial cloth and that it is authentic. Um, Wow. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks that when I walked in. I, I mean, I was on the floor. It was unbelievable. You spoke about your IV drip of knowledge, and I love that terminology. What was the most profound IV drip of knowledge you received? The God is simple. It's not, he's not judging us. We do the judging. And if, to me, that was really huge. That's what was missing because I didn't know I was supposed to judge myself and I didn't. And all I felt was the, the love. Oh my gosh, the love was beyond. There's just no um, language. English language is very lacking when it comes to trying to describe mm. these kinds of things that are undescribable and uh, the beauty and everything. I know it's so hard to put into words. Many near-death experiences say that but you're doing a good job. You spoke about, uh, you looked down and you saw future events. Are there any other fu possible future events that predictions that you saw? Actually, I have a document that has just about everything in it. <clears throat> I did not put in my book everything I saw because I don't want to take away the positiveness of the book. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I share, some things, but some of the things were just, you know, like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But I saw things that were um, as a result of the 9-11 attacks. So I was seeing um, other terrorist attacks on the country. I was seeing governments toppling over. I was seeing women and children being used as human shields uh bombings different places i saw a catastrophic world um like tsunamis um i saw um earthquakes i saw uh a lot of illness um 
I did see what I'm assuming is this thing that we're going through now, because what I did, what I saw was a table. And on this side of the table were people in hazmat suits. On this side of the table were people lined up um, and, and they were from all over the world. They weren't just, you know, white people or whatever. They were just for everywhere. And they had masks on and they were getting injections. But there was a question as to whether the injections were what they really thought they were getting. So there was some kind of question about the injections. So I, I didn't understand that. But then when COVID hit and I started seeing people in hazmat suits and, you know, and having like, injections. Oh, yes. I thought, hmm, that had to be. I saw um, stuff like martial law, uh, riots, and I saw men in SWAT gear standing on street corners holding guns. There was another thing I saw that I, I don't know. Um, how to interpret it but it was part it looked like a human being but it really wasn't a human being it was like a robot so it was sort of like a artificial intelligence or something i called him a robocop because i remember like telling the angels i said that's robocop <laughs> you know? but, um so i don't know um very interesting. What to make of all that? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's, you see the visual images, but until they occur, it's hard to know exactly to make those predictions. What what experiences you've had? I guess I have to ask you the question: Are you afraid of dying? I'm not afraid of dying. Um, I'm afraid of how. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like thirteen, I died of of water then i died of fire then i died of of you know um air maybe if you look at the yeah, elements no, right no air and then the other one was um acute respiratory acidosis which is the same thing you can't breathe you stop breathing yeah. so it was like now what's left <laughs> so i keep praying that i just go in my sleep nice and peace peacefully well gosh, or, or dress. <laughs> exactly thank you for sharing those experiences I, what i mean i guess you must get this question asked a lot why are we here why are we here in our humanness we're here to it's within the human experience that the soul does the most growing and everything that I saw in heaven was still about your soul's growth. Uh, the schools, the libraries, the everything, we continue to grow and change. But the bodies that we have are very similar to the bodies that we have here, but we only get to a certain age. But our souls keep growing through experience. And, and so, what I learned is when we come here, this is the hardest place in the world to be. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that we have to deal with. And a lot, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of happiness, there's joy, but there's all kinds of things that we have to experience while we're here. And it's all for our soul's growth. And one of the things I learned is that 
we're here to love. We're here to learn what God love is, agape love. It's because there are many kinds of love and and that's all great and that's wonderful but we're here to learn how to love the way god loves us with no strings attached and not expecting anything in return you just love and so we're here to learn how to do that and one another thing i learned is that it's the little things that we do it's not talking to 10,000 people in an amphitheater or giving, you know, millions of dollars. That's, that's really nice. And that's wonderful. But what you're going to see in your life review is the little things, you know, did you share your toys when you were little? Did you steal your sister's Easter basket? Did you um, give your sweater to someone who was cold at school and they didn't have one or, do you give the the poor person on the corner of the street holding up a sign do you give them money or do you pass them by because you think they're going to do drugs with it because it really doesn't matter what they do with it if you give it out of love what they do with it's on them it's not on you so whatever we do however big or small the act is if it's done with love that is so huge that's that's what god cares about that's what you know that's what matters and yeah thank you that and was the such, other thing sorry sorry <laughs> oh no 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 you go ahead the other thing um the other thing that i learned was that no matter how tiny we might be in the vastness of all that god created we are so intricately important to everything. Um, us being here is not a mistake. I mean, everything is connected to everything else. And us being here is so important. And he loves every one of us so much that he thinks about us 24 seven. Because if he stopped thinking about us for one minute, we would just poof, cease to be as if we never were. So to be in the divine mind of God 24 seven, when there's 7.7 .7 bazillion people on this planet, and he loves each and every one of us the same way, because of our uniqueness and our specialness. And, and there is not, there is not another person like you on this planet you are so special to him and so beautiful to him and you may have someone that looks like you but th that person is not you you are so unique and to be you know he thinks about you every single moment of every single day and that's why you're still here to be loved that much is just to me it's mind-blowing <laughs> yeah it's very comforting and look we're all going to experience suffering at some point in our lives um i think you everyone asks why suffer but you sort of explained that it's for our soul's growth and evolution how does one whether they've lost someone or what however they're suffering how do they um alleviate or relieve their suffering in your opinion to some extent well, 
I took care of my mom for the last six and a half years of her life and she had Alzheimer's and I was her caregiver and I watched her um, every, I was with her every moment of every day and I watched her disappearing in front of my face and there wasn't a thing I could do except to, you know, make her comfortable at that moment. And I, I suffered over that. I prayed over that, you know, it was like, how could you let this woman who was so holy and so beautiful just disappear in front of my face and I can't, I can't do anything. Well, nothing happens. I mean, God, God does things for reasons and we may not understand why, because he sees the bigger picture. We don't. Um, before I got hit by the lightning, I had a traumatic brain injury. I fell backwards on a ramp and I cracked my head really bad on the ramp. And I had a, what they call permanent closed head trauma and a closed head injury. It took me eight years to recover from that. And at one point there was a misconnection in my brain and I couldn't walk. So I was in a wheelchair and I had to teach myself how to walk again. And I kept asking God, why, what is the purpose of this? You know, you do this and then you hit me with lightning. And then, you know, what is your deal? When I started taking care of my mom, it, I did research on Alzheimer's and there was something that stuck out to me and it said, Alzheimer's is like a brain injury. And it clicked in my head, oh my gosh. That's why I went through what I did because I was able to put myself in her shoes. I was able to, to, to know what she was feeling when she couldn't remember to take a shower, she couldn't remember to take her medicine, she didn't know how to use the bathroom, you know, she didn't know how to eat, you know, all of these things. And it, I had gone through all of that. I had to reteach myself everything. And so I was able to understand with compassion and with love. And I was able to help her get through those times. And then not only that, but I was able to help my dad understand where she was at at any given time, that she was no longer in the present moment. She was in a past and she was in a, you know, whatever it was that she was remembering, whether it was her memory or someone else's memory, it was her. And, you know, he kept trying to bring her back into the present moment. I said, dad, she'll never be back here. You know, you have to accept her where she's at. So I was able to help him understand. So also the other question about when we lose someone that we love, we pray for their healing. We pray that, they, that God will heal them and that they won't die and that they'll be okay. And sometimes that works and other times he heals them perfectly by bringing them home to him. And what I saw in heaven was there was no sadness. There was no Alzheimer's. There was no illness. Everybody was young and beautiful. And so I know it, you know, when we lose someone we, we love, we, we, we suffer here 
you know, grief is just a part of love, you know, it's an extension of our love. So if we love deeply, we're going to grieve deeply too. And that's okay. But our loved ones have gone on to a place that is beyond magnificent. And we will see them again. And they will send us signs to let them let us know that they're okay. And she and she did. And I had to teach my dad to see the signs. She still loves you. She's not forgotten you. She's still here. And she would send the signs and things like that. So it was a, a, a beautiful teaching someone who totally didn't believe in that stuff. It was teaching him how to look for that stuff and it gives people hope. What an angel you are, Sharon. <laughs> That's the only oh. turn the, the word that comes to mind. Um, that was so beautiful. Um, I've asked all the questions. Is there something you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience or I'm just going to leave it up to you now, whatever you'd like to say. Um, whatever you feel called to say to share with the audience on a final note. Just whatever it is you do in your life, whether it's big or small, whether it's cooking dinner for your family, doing laundry, picking up cigarette butts off the ground, you know, our earth is a living entity in itself. We have to take care of our earth and God has given all of us enough resources and enough space to take care of every single person on this planet. So there's a sacred way of, of using those resources. You take only what you need and leave the rest for the next person. You take care of the water, you keep the earth clean. Um, it, it's just important, to, whatever it is you do, do it with love and that's huge. It, it doesn't matter what it is, just love, because that's what we're here for, just to love. And that's what you see in your life review. 